Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Today we are going to be talking about kind of continuing on the subject we kind of got into with the previous podcast of The Rich Young Ruler. Seems to be a theme kind of the Lord's highlighting in my life and we have Jesus' views on money uh, in different categories and different people. Uh, So last with The Rich Young Ruler it was his what's going on in this guy's heart that Jesus is helping him move on from having to do with wealth um, and so now we're going to look at some, uh, I guess a, a teaching or an illustration Jesus used when he was kind of surrounded by crowds and his disciples were with them. Uh, and then we're going to kind of skip ahead and look into the New Testament in James uh, and address a verse that's commonly, you know, used in the church. And the general lens I feel like the Lord wanted you know, me to point out or kind of help shift in people's views is that, you know, Jesus... If you casually, quickly read over these verses, and especially through a religious lens, you would kind of get the idea that wealth is really bad, or Jesus didn't like it, but nothing could be further from the truth. And so if we break these passages down, we'll realize that the Lord is highlighting something in each of them, Uh, and especially with James, the Holy Spirit is highlighting some uh, issues that often revolve around money or pop out of our heart when money is involved. So let me pray real quick. Father, you know, thank you for um, just your insight and wisdom in the Bible, in the in the events of the Bible that you have given us and people recorded and passed down and um, for us today so we can learn not only from when your son walked this earth, but we could fully more understand, um, one, the human connection, you understand our, our weaknesses, you understand us, you were, you know, Jesus was made <laughs> uh, like a man and so he understands everything we're going through. Uh, and that you are close to us as we walk through these things, um, and you have no harshness or judgment for us. That was all taken by Jesus on the cross. You put all that on the Jesus on the cross, and so we are now uh, walking in, you know, we've accepted Christ, and now we are walking in new levels of authority and anointing with, um, in your spirit. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And so let's look at the one in Luke first. We are in Luke 12, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. And like I said, give us some context. Jesus is, uh, I think he's, he probably just came from a town or something, did some miracles, but he and his disciples are surrounded by a crowd. Surprise, surprise. Uh, isn't it amazing? Like this, that just verses, quick side note, that verse comes to mind. Jesus is like the desire of the nations. And I really think even back then, uh, people wanted him. And even though there were some people who just wanted to come for food or, you know, to see, because this kind of starts off with him saying, you know, Jesus is warning. Everyone's pushing around him. And Jesus says, you know, beware of the... Uh, influenced religious leaders and, you know, don't want to be seen, but I feel like there are still people in the crowd who just wholeheartedly wanted to follow Jesus. And so we look at, and I'm just kind of looking at my, uh, my iPad as I get through this, and it's like in verses 6 and 7, you know, so he starts warning about the, the Pharisees, and in 6 and 7 he goes, what value is your soul to God? Could, you, could your worth be defined by an amount, um, any amount of money? Um, and he's talking about, you know, if God cares about the sparrows, he'll care about you. And then he kind of goes into the next. He's like, you're very valuable to God. And then he kind of goes back into uh, people standing for righteousness and before him for the religious leaders and all that. And the Holy Spirit gives him words to say. So we have this We have this thing starting off with Jesus is starting off. And I don't know if he was preaching, if, he, if there were two spirits. Maybe we had some Pharisees in the crowd that day. But, you know, he was kind of addressing uh, probably a religious spirit and maybe some other stuff going on in, in the second heaven while this is going on. And then all of a sudden it says, and you can always tell that Jesus is revealing hearts again, remember? So like he starts speaking about this money thing and the worth of God. And then in verse 13, it goes, someone from the crowd spoke up and said, Master, 
you should tell my older brother that he has to divide the family inheritance and give me my fair share. And so isn't it interesting, you know, we have all these people, Jesus speaks on, you know, money, and boom, here comes this guy's response. You know, you, you kind of feel that, not lashing out, but you can feel this guy responding to the Lord's teaching. And Jesus, you know, basically says, you know, my friend, this is not my business. It's between you and him to settle. And uh, there's a little footnote here for the Brian Simmons of Passion Translation I'm reading. And he kind of has this interesting insight, and it was that rabbis were often called to dispute mediation, like stuff like that in, in that culture. But, you know, Jesus, it's kind of clear from Jesus' reaction that he, this guy was wanting, was kind of wanting Jesus to just one-up everything and just wanted Jesus to side with him. You know, it wasn't like, hey, let's sit down with my, he didn't bring his brother with him to Jesus and said, hey, can you help us dispute this? He just straight up, <laughs> you know, wants Jesus to side with him. You know, no doubt while Jesus was preaching about the value, something got stirred in this guy's heart, right? Just like it with the rich young ruler. And then it's in verse 15, Jesus, he says, speaking to the people, Jesus continued, be alert and guard your heart from greed and always wishing for what you don't have, for your life can never be measured by the amount of things you possess. And so, honestly, you know, obviously right off the bat, we can see that Jesus speaks this, the guy responds, Jesus responds to him, and then gets this illustration, so we know what the issue is going on in his heart, is about greed, right? So it says, Jesus gave him this illustration, so these are verses 16 all the way down to 21, and, you know, it says Jesus gave him this illustration, but... It's just my personal belief, because I'll kind of point out when I get down there, I think this was an actual guy somewhere that Jesus met in his life. Because I'll, I'll point that out down in verse when he talked about the messengers coming to take his life. It just seems like there's some courts of heaven things going on. But let's just read it real quick. So it's like a wealthy landowner had a farm that produced bumper crops. And this, so this is Jesus telling the illustration. In fact, it filled his barns to overflowing. He thought, what should I do now that every barn is full and I have nowhere else to store more? I know what I'll do. I'll tear down the barns and build one massive barn that will hold all my grain and goods. Then I can just sit back, surrounded with comfort and ease. I'll enjoy life, no worries at all. Now, still, it says in verse 20, God said to him. Now, this is Jesus telling the parable, and God said to the guy in, the, you know, in this illustration, What a fool you are to trust in your riches and not in me. This very night, the messengers of death are demanding to take your life. Then who will get all the wealth you have stored up for yourself? This is what will happen to all those who fill their lives up with everything but God. And the little quotations end with verse, stored up for yourself. And so this is what will happen to all. That's Jesus, you know, filling, saying that. And a couple crazy things that kind of struck me. Um, you know, it's pretty clear. So, you know, obviously of a casual reading, you know, if one guy has uh, one barn, you know, a bunch of barns and decides to build a bigger one for all his extra crops... I don't think it's the issue of, the issue isn't the amount of going on or the barns, right? Because God doesn't have a problem with all these bumper crops being put in a bigger barn. We see, so he's, if we're talking about greed here, right, that's the key to understand, understanding because, you know, this is, Jesus saw this in this guy, so he's telling this, you know, this illustration. It's this guy's heart attitude definitely reflected as this is what will, in verse 21 this is what will happen to all those who fill up their lives with everything but god and we kind of see this more and before i go back to the speaking on some other about the messengers of death thing because that's really interesting it seems you know it says god said to him and we're not quite sure you know how god said to him in the in the illustration 
Uh, he could have brought people in his life. He could have brought, we don't know if this guy was in, you know, Jewish system or whatever. And, and the, we could kind of be digging too deep here. But the point is, messengers of death are demanding to take your life. Don't you just kind of see, and this could just be my personal opinion, like, can't you just see the, some courts of heaven stuff going on here? And if you haven't listened to that, uh, I did a podcast about 10 podcasts ago on courts of heaven. Uh, very illuminating. You'll start to see that in scripture. You know, so we see this guy sitting with ease, filling up, and then all of a sudden his something wants to take his life for his sin or his actions. You know, it sounds like a, there's a, something a little deeper going on here. And so this is just my, you know, personal opinion. And it's, I think this guy was actually real. And I think since Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet, we were, th these guys were still under the law and everything. And the courts of heaven were kind of in effect here. I think this guy had gained his, uh, I don't know if like bumper crops, if they had to like, they were supposed to give out some to, you know, widows or orphans in the Mosaic law. I'm not quite sure. But I think this guy did something, either his greed, you know, was judged or the way he stored his grain or got his grain was unjust. And so these messengers of death, like he did something that required things were coming to take his life. So that's pretty serious. And I think the enemy was trying to come and collect on some stuff that uh, the guy had sown into. You know, you reap what you sow. But that might be for another time. You know, because it says, this very night, the messengers of death are demanding to take your life. And so that said, if we're saying, this is God speaking to the guy, God is saying, hey, there are these messengers of death coming, demanding me for your life. You know, almost like he's a judge arbitrating in a court case. Can you see? And so we go on to verse 22, and Jesus starts, says, you know, he, he goes into another teaching, but it's connected, saying, you know, don't worry about your life. Uh, you know, do you ever see the birds carefree as the birds? Don't you see them worry? They don't, you know, put in their, they don't grow their own food or put in their storehouses for later. Ding, ding, ding. Yet God takes care of every one of them. Isn't your life more, this is, uh, let's see, verse 24 at the end. Isn't your life more precious to God than a bird? Be carefree in the care of God. So we see this contrast between this guy saying, I'm going to store up everything and live carefree and trust my riches versus, you know, be carefree in the care of God. And so you see here the contrast where this guy's greed had his heart position towards money. Not that the, not that the, remember, it's not the amount of grain the guy had. That's okay. It was that he put his trust in that grain. So Jesus goes on to say this, trying to correct this to his disciples. And now he said, Jesus taught his disciples, saying, so once again, after the crowds had all gone, now I'll make sure this word is not every disciples, but it seems to imply it's where he takes his disciples aside and teaches them like he does often and gives them insight. You know, he goes on to say, you know, worrying can add to your life. Think about the lilies. They grow and become beautiful. Um, but, you know, they're, they don't work or strive hard, but they're just beautiful because God made them that way. See, down in verse 30, people everywhere seem to worry about making a living, but your heavenly Father knows your every need and will take care of you. Each and every day, he will supply all your needs as you seek his kingdom passionately above all else. So don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. Your loving Father joyously gives you, this is 30, verse 32, so don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. Your loving Father joyously gives you his kingdom run with all its promises. So now, verse 33, so now go and sell all you have and give to those in need, making deposits in your account in heaven, an account that will never be taken from you. Your gifts will become a secure and unfailing treasure deposited in heaven forever. Where you deposit your treasure, this is where your thoughts will turn to and your heart will long to be there also. So once again, verse 33, it says, Go and sell what you have and give to those in need. Notice Jesus didn't say sell everything you had. 
once again, we're talking, we're not talking about, uh, you know, this is not a corporate word for everybody through all time. This is not a doctrine to base giving off everything you have because God gives us good gifts to enjoy. Jesus is talking about reflecting about what's going on in your heart. And he's bringing some correction to, to the crowds around him, to his disciples saying, here's this illustration of this guy who probably a lot of people, you know, uh, was the word, uh, associated or, you know, with the guy feeling his, maybe a lot of people were like, hey, this guy arguing with his, you know, brother about his family inheritance, you know, maybe that should, maybe the guy was telling everybody what the story was and everyone's like, yeah, we should, you know, you should have gotten all that, you know, whatever. And then so Jesus has to tell this story, you know, this illustration of this guy with all this grain in his heart condition. And then now he's giving this correction almost or trying to show people. Remember, when Jesus did this, this is the first time, this is probably one of the, we have Old Testament prophets talking about, you know, abundance and everything, and I'm sure Israel knew, but this is Jesus giving almost like a sermon for the first time on, in history of God providing, you know, wealth for his people, or God providing for his people. I mean, you have the blessings in Deuteronomy, but he is, Jesus is clearly saying God cares about your, you know, your heart and your stuff, and he's got it for you. So Jesus is trying to help them see where their heart, help position their hearts. And once again, it should be noted that Jesus never said, you know, money is evil. It's of the, you know, it's of the devil. Throw away. He said, no, it, your heart needs to be in, you need this truth in your heart that the father loves you. Don't be anxious to worry about your life. The Lord has your, you know, father has your provision. Now, with that being said, you can go and live generously and give. And that's a very important, it's an easy thing for us to hear logically in our Western mindset, but it's a whole other thing. And I feel like there are people who are already listening to this and the Lord is moving on your hearts. Uh, and this is something I've had to walk through in my life. And so let's go look at James 4 now, and we will see another example of what seemingly seems to be a negative on money, but it will actually be a really cool revelation. And so we're over in James 4. And, you know, James is kind of a short, uh, short book, but we're in, in four, he's chapter four, he starts talking about kind of living, living with the Lord and living at odds with the world's values and the kingdom values. And James is kind of giving these little, little correction, little guidance on how to handle, um, uh, sure the church he wrote to was dealing with all these things, you know, so you see him talking about what causes in the beginning First one, what is the cause of conflicts and quarrels? Doesn't the battle begin inside you, heart, soul, whatever? As you fulfill your own desires of the heart, uh, you want jealousy, envy, harm, selfish, quarrel and fight. We're looking at, we're, we're talking about the heart here. Corrupt motives, selfish desires. You know, we're all, we're dealing with the heart here. And the famous verse, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. You know, this wonderful phrase in seven, so then surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will turn away and run from you. Move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. I love that. And so down in verse 13, he starts saying, listen, those of you who are boasting, today or tomorrow will go to another city and spend some time and go into business and make heaps of profit. But you don't have a clue what tomorrow may bring. For your fleeting life is but a warm, and this is James talking, but a warm breath of air that is visible in the cold, only for a moment, and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, Our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands, and if He is willing, we will live life to its fullest and do this or that. But here you are, boasting in your ignorance, for to be presumptuous about what you'll do tomorrow is evil. And so, what do we have immediately? So does Jesus say, or does James say, or the Holy Spirit say, you know, it's not, 
the desire to make profit or go into business is bad? Not at all, because he would have just said, these guys should not have gone and done that. What is he saying in the rebuke? Uh, our instead, you should say, our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands, and if he is willing, we will live life to its fullest and do this or that. So once again, he's highlighting the heart issues of people with money and these things that kind of wrestle with the world and kind of showing people, once again, the Holy Spirit, you know, through James, is kind of showing people, giving a little bit of correction to their hearts on how to keep their hearts centered on God in the midst of all these things. Because James 5, right after, is a whole chapter on the, you know, on to the rich. It says, listen, all you who are rich, for it is time to weep and howl over the misery that will overtake you. And if you keep on reading, if you just take that verse out of context, it's, you know, you can, oh my gosh, riches, everyone who's going to be rich is going to be, you know, overtaken by misery. No, if you just keep reading, your riches lie rotting, your fine clothes eaten by moss, and your gold and silver are corroded as a witness against you, witness in the courts of heaven, more that uh, court language, you have hoarded up treasure for the last days, but it'll become a fire to burn your flesh. Uh, hoarded, key word there. Then he goes, can't you hear the cries of the laborers over the wages you fraudulently held back for those who worked for you? The cry for justice of those you've cheated have reached the ears of the Lord of armies. And he kind of goes on to say, you've indulged yourselves with every luxury and pleasure the world offers, uh, but you're only stuffing your heart for, for a day full of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered good and innocent people who had no power to defend themselves. So once again, the issue is not the riches or the luxuries. The, the issue is the, what, these guys' hearts and what they were doing with them and how they obtained them. And, you know, the cries of the justice for those who cheated have reached the ears of the Lord of armies. Uh, you know, Lord of armies of, of what? Of men, you know, of angels, of hosts. And so we're dealing with some spiritual aspects there too as well, if you, if you dig through another layer. And so if that's the case, it's, you kind of you get the sense that these guys, uh, you know, James have probably seen some of the, the corruption or the agreements with the enemy that people had made and were getting rich on a, a demonic economic system running around in that day and age. And then James kind of goes on to say, like, everybody be patient because the Lord's coming and, you know, he's a judge of everybody and uh, talks about the prophetic a little bit. Uh, and so I think you guys can kind of see that we've looked at two verses where Jesus, you know, addressed the crowd of disciples on an issue of greed in people's hearts. And we've looked at the Holy Spirit speaking through James and kind of correcting this, uh, you know. So the big question, and tie back to the rich young ruler, you know, he had to give up everything he had for the, you know, for the kingdom or the Jesus was highlighting what was going on in their hearts. And so as always, you know, the, was it, Guard your heart. Where's that verse in Proverbs? Guard your heart for, you know, from it, your life, overflow of your life. Or, you know, basically everything begins, everything be starts and, end, you know, ends in your heart. That's why the Lord says guard over it and be careful with it. Um, you know, it, from it you speak, from it you kind of, your words craft your, your life. And so it's just really important that I hope people can see, the one, the different layers in Scripture, but two, what Jesus and the Holy Spirit were trying to show people of what is going on in your heart uh, when you connect with God's stuff and when you connect with riches, what traps do these people fall into and what were the solutions that the Holy Spirit and Jesus told people? Uh, Jesus says, you know, you need the foundation of the love of your father, you know, and that he he's your provider. You need that revelation that he's your provider. And then James says, you know, James pretty much says the, only, the, the best way to do the world's ways of doing things 
are not going to produce life, are not going to, you know, they're going to drag you away from the things of the Spirit. You need to be able to follow what the Lord is saying. It's that as, as we were, because you can imagine these guys in the world going around and wanting to just go to, you know, they probably saw some other rich guy going and making money. So like, hey, we'll do the same thing. We're just going to go over here and do all that. But you, they, were, they were not focused on the kingdom or what the Lord was doing. Now, the, the Lord was obviously okay with people having wealth. He gave David and Solomon, gosh, he made Solomon one of the richest, I think he was the richest man to ever live and still. Um, and so God is okay with wealth, but he's just saying, you know, asking you, and this is my question to you guys as you listen, where does, what issues in your heart do the, does the Lord need to correct or speak to, want to speak to very kind and lovingly uh, that he can help you focus on so you do not get snared by all these, uh, these traps in the world? You know, and we can even go back into James 2, and we see this where he's talking about, this is James 2, I think 5 and 6. Um, you know, chosen, hasn't God chosen the poor, and the poor in the world's eyes to be those who are rich in faith? And then 6, but you, yet you insult and shun the poor in your efforts to impress the rich. Isn't it the wealthy who exploit you and drag you into court? Aren't they the very ones who blaspheme the beautiful name of the one you now belong to? He says, you're calling to fulfill the royal law of love. You must love and value your neighbor as you love yourself. And he kind of goes on in, I think, verses 14, like, for example, or 15, for example, if a brother or sister in faith is poorly clothed and hungry, and you leave them saying goodbye, I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat, but you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup, what good is your faith? So then the faith doesn't involve action as phony. So that's when James goes through the whole, like, faith versus works thing, and I think the church there at his time needed to hear that, and some of us do too today. But we see this whole, this whole, uh, dichotomy throughout James of living in the world and because the church at that time was unlearning a lot of things in the world and focusing on God and his way of doing things you know doing practical acts of faith that show what's going on in your heart and so I hope that helps everybody Uh, as always if you have any questions or comments feel free to reach out have a great week